the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When we are under sound doctrine, we are not simply intellectual Christians. When we are under sound doctrine, we are the kind of Christians of whom the Word of God makes an impact in total. It makes an impact intellectually. It makes an impact emotionally. It makes an impact volitionally. It makes an impact practical. the last few broadcasts, we have been examining 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, and the itching ear, those who would seek to bring about themselves, men who would tell them good things, make them feel good about themselves, rather than call into question their sin and need of a Savior. Today, we take a look at four kinds of hearing, the listener with no ears at all, and we begin in Matthew 13, verses 11 through 17. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Matthew 13, 16, you heard in the reading of our elder that our Lord Jesus had commended a certain group of people with having been blessed to hear. Blessed to hear. He said in Matthew 13, 16, but blessed are your ears for they hear. Blessed are your ears for they hear. And the earlier verses, verses 13 through 17, or 16, was giving us the ominous, ominous warning about, in a real way, what our elder just stated about the condition of our nation, the condition of our present culture. You know we tout ourselves to be a Judeo-Christian nation. That means we tout ourselves to live and operate judicially out of a Judeo-Christian construct, a worldview that holds God's law as the absolute moral standard by which men ought to live, right? But now we are about to outlaw God's Word? Now, isn't that what Paul was saying in 2 Timothy chapter 4 to Timothy when he said in those prophetic words, there is a time coming, Timothy. There's a time coming, a season we talked about. The Greek word kairos means a, a quality of time, a, an infamous quality of time where men as a whole, nations and groups of people, will not tolerate God's Word. He called that a season. Second Timothy chapter 4, if you will. We probably don't have anybody manning that up there. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, if you will, uh, in verse 3, Timothy says in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 
Now, we looked at this two weeks ago, didn't we? Last week, myself and my wife were out. We were supposed to have a vacation where I was supposed to rest. Um, Found myself hiking 6,000 feet in the air for several hours in 118-degree weather. And I said, I guess this is the best rest I'm going to get until I get back home. And uh, thinking about what I was going to talk about today reminded me of God's grace and mercy to us in Christ to be able to take time like we're doing now to enter into what we call a temporary Sabbath, a period of resting, because life in this world is very challenging and difficult. And when you leave these doors, you go right back to a what? A battle, a warfare, a conflict. And so now we get to do something that in a moment and certainly in many places around the world is not even lawful to do. Gather around God's word to hear God's voice and God's counsel concerning God's will to God's people. Well, what we, were, what we were looking at in Timothy last time, 2 Timothy chapter 4, had to do with what I call the loving relationship between a father and his son. Paul is a spiritual father to Timothy, who is his son in the faith. And Paul is aware that Timothy, yet being young and not completely being as we heard it this morning, conformed to the image of Christ in totality, is succumbing to all of the outward pressures of the world to tempt him to collapse from what he's been called to do in the preaching of the gospel. And Paul has taken two whole epistles to encourage Timothy and build him up. And I was thinking as we look at this precious fourth chapter of 2 Timothy, how diabolical the devil must be. Here this seasoned veteran, this choice servant of God, has almost ended his life and his career was committed to the preaching of the gospel. He is now in prison and he knows he is about to be beheaded. Think about it with him. You're about to die. And what's on his heart and mind? His son in the faith, who happens to be a minister of the gospel, as he is. Now look at the devil. Wouldn't it be like him to throw a fiery dart at the mind of God's choice servant to cause him to be discouraged in the last hours of his life? thinking that it's possible that his son in the faith would be yet another casualty. Because you see, whether you know it or not, there were many men under Paul who initially started off preaching the gospel, of whom Paul said many now have become enemies of the cross of Christ. And he's warned Timothy about them. He gave them to Timothy by name, Hymenus, Hymenius, and Alexander the coppersmith, and others. He said, watch out for these men. They have departed from the gospel. And Paul now, under this dart of discouragement, he could have collapsed and went, woe is me. I'm in prison. I'm about to die. And Lord, my son in the faith is about to collapse. But you know what he does not do? He does not allow this dart of discouragement to cause him to not encourage his son in the faith. 
Now, this is a real good lesson around what we are dealing with in terms of verse 4. Because what do you do when everything around you is discouraging? Do you simply collapse in a sort of self-centered, woe is me, life is terrible, why am I going through this, Lord? Why do I have to die? On top of that, everybody that was under me has forsaken me, because Paul is about to say that. They all left him. But rather than collapse under self-centeredness, you know what he does? He now begins to encourage others. This is called other-centered. Don't be discouraged. Encourage. Take what you know about God and his faithfulness and share it with the downline or others to help them do what Paul knows he's about to do. Finish his race. Close out his ministry. End his calling. And the way that our brother does it is by making sure he encourages Timothy how to finish well as well. You know, finishing well is a very important matter for those of us who are a little older. Is that right? Finishing well is really, a, in fact, I'll be preaching on that next week. One of the things I got last week as we were walking, my wife and I were walking, I had her leading. The one or two times I let her lead. <laughs> we're walking and she's leading. And, uh, you know, my, my wife loves hiking. And I'm going, okay, half hour in, I think we're going to turn around now. Look up, it's an hour and a half in, we haven't turned around. And one of the things I learned on the trail is you have to stay disciplined. Because when you are in the mountains with wild animals, you have to actually stay on point. You have to stay on track. And so it was, it was uh, incumbent upon me to make sure I tracked her all the way in order for us to get to our destiny. And really, that's what we're talking about now. How you and I are called by the account before us to know that in order to finish well, you and I have to be disciplined. Is that right? Disciplined to finish well. Discipline to finish well. And that's what Paul is pressing home in our present text. He tells Timothy, in order for you to finish well, young man, you've got to do what verse 2, part A says. You've got to preach the word. Preach the word. I love it. Paul says, I can't preach it anymore, but you can. Preach the word. Keep preaching the word, Timothy. Don't stop preaching the word. My, what a good word. Think about it with me. The most demonic-like you and I could ever be, the most devilish you and I could ever model, the most maniacal and satanic model you and I could ever engage in is seeking to thwart the preaching of the gospel. You want to be like the devil? Hate God's servants. Despise the preacher of the gospel. Oppose the preacher of the gospel. Seek to cause him to stumble. Seek to cause him to be discredited from the calling to which he has called. For when you and I are opposing God's servant, we are opposing the preaching of the gospel. When you are opposing the preaching of the gospel, you are opposing the gospel itself. And when you are opposing the preaching of the gospel, you are opposing faith. For faith comes by what? Hearing the gospel. And when you are opposing faith, you are opposing the eternity-bound soul that needs faith to walk with God. But it only comes through the preaching of God's Word. Do you see it? 
What Paul is saying as he's about to die by that demonic authority in the same pattern in which his master, the Lord Jesus, died, and the other ten apostles died, and all the prophets of the Old Testament died at the hands of demonic leaders is, I might die, but the Word of God has to continue. They might kill me, but the Word of God is not bound. When they kill me, God will raise up another preacher of the gospel because men must hear from God to be saved. Do you believe that? They must hear from God to be saved. All right. So what Paul is doing, and I am really encouraged by this line of reasoning in chapter 4, rather than closing up tent and licking his wounds and doing what we must look at here shortly, focusing in on himself, he pours himself out to Timothy and says, Timothy, keep preaching the word. Here's the promise. Preaching the word produces faith. Do you believe that? Preaching the word brings about salvation to the soul. Do you believe that? That's James chapter 1, verse 17, or verse 21, rather, that we are to receive the engrafted word of God with meekness, which is able to save the soul. The preaching of the word of God is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Do you believe that? In the preaching of the word of God, whether we like the painful aspects of it not, it's like a word, it's like a fire that can burn up the chaff in the hearts of men and women who are walking in obstinacy and rebellion against God. Does it do that? It's like a hammer that can break in pieces the stony heart. Preacher, why do you preach the word? Because some of our hearts are stony. And we must have a word that can only come from God that can break the stony heart. And that's why we bring our children and our grandchildren and those we love under the word of God. Because only the word of God can break the stony heart. The word of God can pierce. It's alive and sharp, and it can pierce even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and marrow and bone. What that means is it can reach down to the utter crevices of a man's soul, a man's mind, a man's conscience, where no other word can reach a man God's word can. The reason we bring men and women under God's word is because only God's word can raise men and women from the dead. That's why we preach it. And even for those of us who are saved, we are frequently in bondage. We are frequently in darkness. We are frequently encumbered by the cares of this life. And we need the Word of God to blow on us and burn up the chaff and liberate our souls as well in order that we might walk in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. In other words, we don't come to church to have our ears tickled. We don't come to have our ears tickled. We come to be affirmed in the reality of who God is in Christ and all that he has done in his immutable counsel and to see whether or not our heart is still in love with Jesus. That's why we come. We come to worship the true and the living God, but it's his word that he calls us to centrally observe and affectionately hold to. And that's what Timothy was told by Paul in verse 3, and verse 2 rather, preach the word instant, in season, and out of season. And we looked at the qualities of that preaching last time, did we not? How that he was to reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And then we saw in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not what? Endure. And I told you that word endure has to do with bearing up under a process until it reaches its completion. I want you to get it now. Bearing up under the process of the Word until it actually does what it purposes to do. What Paul said is there will be men and women by legion who will not have the capacity to endure, bear up under the Word of God until the Word of God works in them what the Word of God is designed to do. We heard it this morning coming out of the Proverbs, I think it's 16.1, the preparations of the heart in man. And the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. But that Hebrew term preparation of the heart of man means to arrange the heart in a, fa- in a fashion and manner that is cosmetically in order so that the end result is the heart is the product of God's handiwork. See, when God created the heavens and the earth, he arranged them so that as we're learning in, our, in the heavenly study on Friday night, the universe is a glorious specimen of God's infinite wisdom, is it not? And when God finishes with the heart of man in the work of redemption, he takes chaos and makes order out of it. He takes that which is obnoxious and ugly and makes it beautiful. The work of transformation in the heart of mankind is the consequence of you and I enduring the Word. And I talked about that being an athletic term, didn't we? And it's an athletic term because Paul is dealing with a hygienic phraseology when he uses the term in 2 Timothy 4, 3, sound doctrine. You guys remember that? We said that sound doctrine, hygiano in the Greek, the literal Greek term is hygiene, is when the body, the physical body, is so healthy that not only are all the parts healthy, but it is working in an orderly fashion in the way in which God created. I want you to capture the vision. I'm only going to touch it a little bit more before we move to our next emphasis. When we are under sound doctrine, we are not simply eggheads. When we are under sound doctrine... We are not simply intellectual Christians. When we are under sound doctrine, we are the kind of Christians of whom the Word of God makes an impact in total. It makes an impact intellectually. It makes an impact emotionally. It makes an impact volitionally. It makes an impact practically. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When the Word of God brings about a kind of sound doctrinal conformity in your life, you are now responding to the Word of God by the power of God in a way in which now your faith looks like the faith of God's elect. See, the faith of God's elect has a shape and a form. Can I tell you what it is? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, every believer in here who's truly born again knows intuitively that what I'm saying is true. Every believer in here who's truly born again knows this. God is not finished with me yet. Do you know that? 
And if you do, you know that you are in what we call process, right? We're in process, right? We are in process of being conformed to the image of Christ, but there is a non-negotiable while that is occurring. Are you ready? The non-negotiable is that you must remain under the Word of God. And I mean the Word of God. You must remain under the Word of God. And what Paul is saying is that these men and women in this season of which he was talking about then, which is the season in which you and I are now, is a season where men and women do not have the spiritual muscle to stay under the weight of God's Word. You got that? They don't have the spiritual muscle or discipline to stay under God's Word, to maintain the resistance that the Word applies to the soul so that it can build you up in the most holy faith, so that you have the ability by the Spirit of God and the exercising of the Word of God in your life to discern what's right and wrong, to be able to withstand in the evil day, to be able to hold out in the time of trouble because the Word of God has so shaped you and strengthened you that you have the ability to be what we call strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. And may I say it as we get ready to move into our message? I don't know many strong Christians. I know a lot of Christians don't know many strong ones. There's a qualitative qualitative difference between a strong believer and one who is not. When you meet a strong believer, they are men and women of character. Of character. And what kind of character is it? It's Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. Don't go there. But tribulation, trouble has been embraced by the believer because the believer knows that God uses trouble to sanctify us. In fact, when you, get, when you get the word right, here's what you discover. Oh, here comes trouble. God loves me. And God loves me enough to make sure that the trouble that's coming is used to shape and hone and modify and bend and contort. We call it shaping in the field of athletics. When you are under good teaching, the teacher shapes you. The goal of the Holy Ghost is to shape you, shape you, shape you conform you like the potter on the wheel, shaping and molding the clay until it becomes like the specimen it's called to be. Are you guys hearing me? All that I'm stating is a process that we don't like. Be true about it now. We don't like it. We are told in Hebrews chapter 12, no chastening is pleasant. But you see, this is not about pleasantries. This is about God's glory and our conformity to Christ by which God gets glory in our lives. Bringing us to our fundamental point. When you and I are under the sound teaching of the Word of God, that sound teaching produces the effect of an allegiance, a heart allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ that ends up effectively the way the disciples said it in John chapter 6. Lord, where shall we go? Where shall we go? We've been with you for two years now. And the moment you called us, from the moment you called us, you have kept us to this very hour. 
We haven't needed anything. We haven't wanted for anything. We've been protected by you, guided by you, kept by you, nourished by you. Here we are on the brink of a decision because we're looking around. And on that day, John chapter 6, masses of people abandoned Christ because they didn't want to endure the sound doctrine. Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Meaning, except you totally commit to me as your life, you cannot be saved. They said, no, 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 we're done here. See, all we wanted Jesus was the bread. All we wanted Jesus was the miracle. Jesus, we wanted you to be our servants. We didn't want to be your servants. Watch this. Are you ready? We don't need you like that. Right, so here's what Paul does. Paul tells us in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure this sound doctrine that leads to total health in Christ, but after their own lust. Do you see that phraseology? After their own lust shall they heap up to themselves what? Teachers having itching such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10, and then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward, and the zip code is 94541. You can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510-886-9782. 9782 or stop by our website grace-bible.com we do thank you for spending time with us today trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of way of grace with pastor jessica stan three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.